Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson with Nathan Fox in Los Angeles. How's it going, Nathan? Good. You're still a tiny bit out of breath, I think, from your run. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. So I ran two miles. Wasn't my, it was my 12th fastest run, according to RunKeeper, which means nothing. But um, yeah, I, yeah, so I ran right before the show. I was trying to squeeze it in because I knew afterward would be tough. What are we going to do on the show today? We are going to have an email about applying first to get admission advice. Yep. Hmm. It's an interesting. Applying first. It's an interesting tactic that uh, one law school is using. We'll get there. Okay. Interesting. All right. And then uh, we're going to go over game four from the June 2007 LSAT. That's in section one. And if we have time, we'll try to tackle some questions, logical reasoning questions from the December 2013 LSAT, which is Prep Test 71, uh, the one that LSAC has just released publicly, so we can now talk about it, which is nice. I mean, it's been available, but um, it was under license restrictions, which means we couldn't talk about it uh, without getting LSAC's approval, and they probably wouldn't like it on a free podcast going to everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we have the June LSAC coming up pretty soon. It's on a Monday, June 3rd. The last day to register for the July LSAT is the day after, June 4th. So if you feel like you tanked June, I guess you still have a day to decide to sign up for July. At this point, most people should just sign up anyways. If you're taking June, unless there's something preventing you from taking July, there's really no downside since you can cancel after seeing your score. On June 27th, the June scores will be released, and on July 15th, You'll have the July LSAT. Uh, you can always email the show at help at thinkinglsat.com. Send us your selfies when you do if you're so inclined. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, and our lovely website. Thank you, Sarah. Thinkinglsat.com. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps uh, spread the word about the show. I don't really have any updates on the demon. Oh, I guess I did put in these prompts or questions <laughs> people can click like the ask button in our joint project lsatdemon.com and those questions go to me and nathan although nathan has kindly been uh fielding all of them recently or most of them and i saw these as they came through and thought that some of them were kind of funny i don't know if you've seen any or want to to read these but maybe uh, these are the kinds of things that you get, right? Yeah, I've seen all of them, and some of them I have incorporated into my um, into my explanation, uh, like this one from Joshua at the very top that he hit the ask button, and then he in the comments he put this answer is bullshit. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, my. <laughs> I did quote that in my in my explanation. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Good. And then it was like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> I explained to Josh why it was not bullshit. But um <laughs> yeah, I really I do appreciate the um when people ask like specific questions, <laughs> it's uh it's a lot more useful. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we got Josie here saying, really not sure what's going on here. <laughs> we got some people just saying, hey, I, with this question needs an explanation. Yeah, so for this one with Naomi, um, uh-huh. she I saw it was like a sequence of questions. And the first time she asked, she said, "You know, hi there, will you please provide an explanation for this question? Thank you. Then it was like, explanation, please. And then by the third time, she's just like, EXP. <laughs> that's all she wrote, you know? And that's all we need, really. I mean, you'll know, right? It's more helpful if they can dig into the details a little bit. But at the end of the day... All we need to know is that you need help. Yeah, if you if you just if you encounter a question in the demon that doesn't yet have an explanation or doesn't yet have a written explanation, yeah, all you got to do is hit the ask button, and I'll be on it. <laughs> but I've done a couple hundred, maybe, mm-hmm. over the past couple of weeks. People were really hammering that ask button for a little while. Yeah, and so I kind of got inundated, and I so I apologize for being behind. Um, but I got caught back up yesterday, all the way back up to inbox zero. So now I'm just sitting around waiting for people to ask to ask me to explain stuff. So um, yeah, I I do appreciate it when people it's for for their own benefit. I appreciate it when they ask a more specific question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you just need help, so some, some, one of the things, and I'm, I don't know, we, I guess we never anticipated that this was going to happen, but people are like, I can't watch the videos cause I'm out in public and I don't have my headphones or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. can you do a written explanation? And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're working on it. Yeah. And all you gotta do is hit the ask button. But if there's something that you're specifically confused about, it does really help if you can you can say what it is that you're not, not getting. Cause then I, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know what you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And in my explanation, it, it like might just seem obvious to me why, mm-hmm. why an answer is wrong or why, you know, but if so, if you can just tell me what exactly as close as possible, what it is that you don't get, then it, that'll help me to write a uh, like targeted explanation. Cool. Yeah, so if you don't know about it, check out elsademon.com. That's where you can do questions, and it will adapt the questions that you're getting to your skill level and the kinds of things that you're struggling with. So we have an announcement here. Check out the new Thinking LSAT website. Let us know what you think. Hmm. The link is on the current website and Facebook. So that's Sarah. Sarah's been recreating the website. If you have any feedback on that, you can just email the show at helpatthinkinglsat.com and that'll go right to Sarah, who is making the new website. I think it's pretty much done. Okay, so we have this email. This is the one about applying first to get admissions advice. Do you want to read this? Sure. It says, hello, I know I do not pay for your class regretfully or anything. So there is no obligation to respond to me or read my email, but I received a strange email from Wash U. It seems to be about applying to their school so that so they can give me law school admission advice. <laughs> wow. um, so advice the, from the people you're applying to. Yeah. So. Yep. So here's the email. 
it's got a header that says Wash You Law. And it says, Dear Alana, applying to law school can be exciting and daunting at the same time. Exclamation point. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Why do people keep using exclamation point? I don't get it. If you have questions about any aspect of the application process for law school, parentheses, not necessarily wash you law. Our admissions team is available for a brief consultation. You may schedule your consultation here with a link. The consultation will be most productive if we have your application on file in advance. Therefore, we have waived your application fee. You will be able to update your application if you choose after the consultation. We look forward to speaking with you. Best regards, Elizabeth. She's Elizabeth. She has a, is, her title is Admissions Officer hmm. at WashU. That's really interesting because <laughs> yeah. if you can get someone in the door and talking to you, I think they're most likely to go with you, right? Like if if a student actually kind of takes these steps, these initial steps to apply and then schedule the consultation and these people, this team is has any emotional intelligence, they'll quickly win you over with their friendliness if they if they're overly pushy and they try to drive you to their school then they'll actually backfire but if they if they do kind of a soft sell by just providing honest feedback on your application i could see a lot of students talking to them uh, feeling rapport with this team and then ultimately attributing those positive feelings to wash you and then going there Yep. Uh, I mean, they have sort of an incentive to give you bad advice in some ways, right? Like you, could, like if they're really kind of stupid, but they could, you could apply. They could say, "Oh, we like this person, but we're actually going to give them bad advice so that anywhere else they apply, their application doesn't look as good." But in the end, people would see right through that, I think. And so, I think they're going to give you. Some probably some good advice, not a whole lot, maybe, but I think the real goal here is to get you started on your application and just kind of ease you into their school and win you over with their discussion. Yeah, obviously, the goal of this is not to give you admissions advice. Obviously, the goal of this is to get you to apply to their school. Yes. They have one goal to get you to apply to their school. But I think that they will end up giving you some good pointers. I think that it, they're going to give a little to hope to get a lot. And so my guess is just even small comments here and there about how they look at your application. You'd be like, oh, yeah, from your perspective, that looks a little weird or sounds a little strange or hasn't been addressed. And so then you might end up fixing your application in a way that would make it look better at another school. Yeah, it'd be. I would love if uh, listeners um, schedule one of these consultations and and get back to us. Yeah, especially if if you're not interested in going to Wash U, there's really no downside. You just apply and see what they have to say, and judge for yourself whether you think their advice is good or bad. But it 
it would be hard to hear something and not at least start thinking about what they have to say and making your application somewhat better in some way. Yeah, I I just I'm interested. I would just love to hear what they're even doing with this. You know, that's it says a it's a brief consultation, you know. So I I wonder if it's going to just be like very rudimentary like here's how you get your application materials together, you know. <laughs> Yeah, although you have already had to apply, right, or on file. You don't have so. to. The consultation will be most productive if oh, you yeah. have your application on file in advance. That's true, most productive, yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> the ir- irony is that once you do apply, then they've achieved their goal. And so then they're, I don't think they, the, the consultation is going to definitely just be like a sales tactic right like mm-hmm. they've w- once they have your application see what you don't understand like what what students maybe don't don't get i mean our listeners do but most most people don't is that this is like step one of the negotiation with wash you like you're, what you're mm-hmm. ultimately what you're talking about is price you know like they want you to if if you're if you're if you meet the minimum admissions criteria Mm-hmm. then they want to admit you. Mm-hmm. And now you're negotiating over price, whether you know it or not. Yeah. And so if they're looking at your application and giving you advice about your application, you're also simultaneously negotiating on the $50,000 a year tuition. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I'm not saying that like what you were saying, Ben, like they're not, they're not going to actually give you bad advice about your application for other schools, but they're, they're simultaneously negotiating with hundreds of other students of a hundred, hundreds of other applicants of like varying levels of, um, savvy, I guess. Yeah, and so you going in there asking them for admissions advice is is almost like you're giving them information about how savvy you are as an applicant. <laughs> and I don't for know. sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, because <clears throat> your application is a set of documents, right? And when people review that application, there there's so many things about you that are impossible to detect in these documents. As soon as you sit down and start talking to someone and they say things, you might instantly say, oh, wow, this person really knows what they're talking about versus, hmm, what What did you just say? You, you did what at your job? And so this is also an interview, right? Really? Yeah, I, it, it is. It's, I mean, it's just part of the negotiation if you if you're going to end up going to wash you of course if you're not going to wash you then it's nothing then you're just getting free yeah. free information from them yeah i i think this is brilliant on their part i do too i this is a short email i don't like the fact that it's all one paragraph except for the last paragraph <laughs> i don't like the exclamation point and i don't like that her name is all capitalized but other than that <laughs> <laughs> I think this is this is genius. Trying new things, getting ways to get people. It's much it's it's like law schools have realized that they need to be better. They need to be better businesses, which is really what they are, which means better customer service, better outcomes, and it's going to take them a while to get there, but these are attempts 
these are these are this is what competition does, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, what can we do? How can we get people here? How can we raise our numbers so that we don't lose people? How do we appease the ABA, which is now going after schools and shutting them down, right? If they don't meet their bar passage rates, or it might, we'll see if that actually happens. But those these are all good things for the for the law school industry. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to see the law schools having to like watching the sharks competing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> struggle, right? They have to struggle and get better, which is good. Yeah, totally. Hey, talking about negotiations, have I told you about the um, uh, the estimating Gandhi's age at death study? No. Okay, so. Basically, the way this study was conducted is they took a bunch of people, they put them in a group. Now, almost everyone, or maybe everyone except one person, was actually part of the study. You know, they were in on the study, and one one person in the group was a study uh, victim, or what's the right word? The they were the actual they were, person in the study. Yeah, the actual. Everyone being, else was just the, a plant. Okay, it was a plant, right? Okay. Yeah. So, but they go into this group setting and they think that everyone there is just like them, right? Oh, we're all we've all been invited in, and we're having some discussion, or we're all part of the study, and the study leader or whoever comes into the room and says, "Hey, uh, I'd like you to." write down or I can't remember what it was write down or say out loud or whatever, but uh, estimate what age Gandhi was when he died, right? And in some of these groups, they had some of the plants necessarily state some ridiculous age, right? Like one person said, oh, I think he died when he was 138. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just like what? Like it's stupid, right? Wow. It's stupid because no one's lived to 138. And then what they what they would discover? Actually, maybe there was only one plant. I don't know. And it, it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that when someone would come in with that high number, the average for the group was a lot higher, right? I think I don't know when Gandhi died. Actually, we could just Google it, but I, th- I think it was in the thir- his 30s or maybe his later. Maybe no, he must had have to be later. Yeah. yeah, like 60s, right? I'm yeah. thinking of pictures of him now. But anyways, whatever the age was, when the person, when the plant said such a high, even though it was a ridiculous number, it pulled up the average for that group by quite a bit. And then they'd have people come in, and the plant would say something like. Oh, you know, I think Gandhi died when he was like five. Again, you know, just like ridiculous. Like Gandhi wasn't fucking five. He was. He did something with his life. You know, not that five year olds can't do things with their life, but um, uh, you know, obviously he was not five, and that would pull down the average. And so the point was that even when people are given ridiculous numbers, the anchoring effect changes how you. F- how you look at the world, right? It changes how you estimate things and so forth. And um, the point of this, the reason I'm talking about it, is that when you go into a negotiation with a school and they're offering you zero and you say, oh, you know, I was expecting a full ride plus a stipend, they might on some level say, that's absurd. And they are going to say no to you, but you've you've planted in their minds a baseline, 
right? It's like, well, this student, for whatever reason, was expecting this. So whenever they come back with something, it's probably going to be higher than, even if it's just a, a few thousand dollars, but it's probably going to be higher than what they would have offered you if you had come in with a quote, reasonable or your value, right? Like you might figure out your value based on the 509 and say, hey, I deserve a 50% scholarship. But you don't want to say that. You say this higher number and then they're going to negotiate against themselves before they even respond to you because they're going to say, geez, this guy thinks he wants that. And a lot of this is not even conscious, right? It's subconscious and it's Anyway, something to think about. And I think a lot of people hesitate to do that because they're worried about sounding ridiculous, just like saying Gandhi was 138 years old when he died, but it still affects people. Now, these people do this all the time, so it may not affect them as much, but we're all human. And it's going to, on some deep, visceral level, suggest to them too that you value yourself, right? And that is going to add value to you. A lot of this is perception. So anyways. Yeah, the thing you're talking about is called anchoring, right? In negotiations. Mm -hmm. And there's another study where they um this one is really kind of bizarre, but it was it's like how much would you pay for how much would you pay for this something, coffee mug or whatever? Mm, yeah. And they right in front of your face, they spin a wheel. It's just a random wheel and it's clearly generating a random number and they spin the wheel and it lands on some number. Yeah. And then how much would you pay for this coffee mug? Yeah. And the result of the wheel spin <laughs> also influences <laughs> the amount that people say they would be willing to pay for any, whatever the thing is. Wow, that's interesting. Because that has even less rational relation to the outcome. It has a hundred percent, like estimate. It has zero percent anything. It's just a yeah. purely random number. Yeah. But the anchoring effect is just is so strong that you you get thinking about a number, and if yeah, so when the number on the wheel is real low, then you just bid lower, and when the number on the wheel is real high, you bid higher. Even though it's, and you know, you don't, obviously you don't know that that's going on, but that's a, that's a thing. Um, That's interesting. 77, by the way, uh, Gandhi was assassinated at the age of 77. Okay. There we go. It's settled. Yeah. Should we do this logic game? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So this is, uh, from the June 2007 test, which has been freely available for forever. Yep. And you just Google it and you'll find it. And this is the fourth logic game. The hardest one in the section, for sure. Mm -hmm. I can jump in and read it. It says, there are exactly three recycling centers in Riverton. Center one, center two, and center three. Exactly five kinds of material are recycled at these recycling centers. So exactly five kinds of material are recycled. That means all five of them will be recycled. Glass, newsprint, plastic, tin, and wood. Okay. Uh, 
given the fact that we have three centers and five kinds of materials are going to be recycled at these three centers, already in my mind I'm thinking, okay, so at some of these centers I'm going to have to have more than one kind of material recycled there to get all five of them recycled. Each recycling center recycles at least two, but no more than three of these kinds of material. So if each recycling center has at least two, uh, that means I have to have two slots, <laughs> right, for each center. So I'm already thinking to myself, that's six slots and five kinds of material. So that means at least one of these materials is going to be have, have to be recycled at more than one center. Uh, I guess I'm just taking the time to point this stuff out because it is the kind of thing that I stop and think about as I'm going through the initial setup. Whereas I feel like a lot of people might just kind of plow through it and just read each sentence almost without reading, right? It's like, okay, okay, okay. As opposed to actually thinking about what that might imply given what we already know, even if I haven't drawn anything yet. So it says, but no more than three of these kinds at each center. So we can have at most nine things, three at each center. Uh, the following conditions must hold. Any recycling center that recycles wood also recycles newsprint. So I interpret that to mean if you're going to recycle wood, then you have to recycle newsprint. But it does not mean that if you recycle newsprint that you have to recycle wood. And I would just draw that as if W, then N. Okay. With an arrow. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even draw it. You wouldn't draw it. I know you like to wait. No, until the end, right? Uh, well, no, you wouldn't even draw it. Oh, okay. These hmm. days, tell me about it. Well, I just I, I find myself more and more incorporating these rules if I can, just incorporating them into the diagram, or in, yeah, incorporating them into the solution. Okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of just this like rote LSAT robot thing that people do, you know, like yes, if W then N. Contrapositive, no N, then no W. But like, <laughs> I feel like that diagram just ironically kind of makes people confuse sufficient for necessary sometimes. Like the whole purpose of doing that diagram is so that you don't confuse sufficient for necessary. Mm -hmm. But even having it on the page, like having the contrapositive on the page sometimes just makes people do it. So mm -hmm. I, if, if you can write it down and understand the implications, that's great. But I don't know. There's a lot of games now where I just, I'm, I'm just like, okay, hold on. I would rather just incorporate this into worlds. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not sure if I can actually do that here. So you're waiting until we've read through all the rules, and then as you go back to these rules, you might just write down two worlds, one in which you have wood and one in which you don't have yeah, wood. Yeah, I mean... Or so, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, here it's hard to do that because you've got three different centers, and you know at least one of them has wood. So, And I don't know where that is. And so yeah. that writing it down, like, okay, yeah, but... I, it's, it's interesting because you know that the game, you know, the friends in the photograph game, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That one is like the, 
poster child for write down the conditional rules and link them together. And then you can do the contrapositive of like the whole chain. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's this, it's this like nice show you can put on as an LSAT teacher. Sure. You know, and it, it works and you can kill that game. If you know how to do all that, you can kill it. Sure. But the other night uh, in my class, I, I just, I was like, you know, I want to, I've been teaching this game for 10 years, but let me do it an entirely different way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. instead I just started with, um, I think I picked the first of the friends who had been mentioned twice mm-hmm. and I just said, okay, everybody's either in or out. Yep. So let me make a world where this person who had been mentioned twice Yep. I'm going to make a world where this person is in the photograph and I'll make a world where this person is not in the photograph. Sure. And, and then just incorporate the rules into the two different worlds because, well, if you're in, then, you know, maybe it triggers the rule or in, in it, or depending on the rule, if you're out, it triggers the rule. But then the rules just like evaporate because you bake them into the solution and what I ended up doing was then, you know, you, you have to split to some, some of the rules can't just be easily incorporated, right? Like they don't get triggered. Sure. But then all you do is you just like say, oh, okay. So over here, S or whoever can still be in or out. Okay. So let me split it. Yep. And S is now in or out over here. And then let's follow the implications of that. Yeah. And see what happens. And I'm not sure which way is better. I, I, what I was telling my class is like, I think you should be able to do this both. Ideally, if you want to be really good at the games, you'd just be able to do it both ways. Exactly. Yeah. But, but there are, there are lots of, there are lots of games where, boy, what's the, the one where, you know, the, uh, open and close, it's like certain number of, what there's like stations or something and they have to be, it's like we're picking who's going to stay open and who's going to be closed. That game. I don't know if they're stations or whatever they are, but it's just, it's, it turns out to be a very simple grouping game. I mean, you can call it a grouping game. It's just like a certain number of these. it's, It's not even a number. I don't think it's just like some of these things are going to be open and some of these things are going to be closed. Yeah. And as it turns out, if you make two worlds out of, you just pick, it doesn't matter who it is. Like you just take, oh, okay, R. Yeah. And you make a world where R is open and a world where R is closed. And it triggers every single one of the rules. And you just bake them fully into your solution. Yeah. And all you're left with is like wild cards on both sides of the split. And yeah. it's it's so much better to do it that way than it is to write down all the stupid conditionals. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying. I'm just, I'm just like agnostic about whether or not it's a good idea, you know, even to write down the rules. Sure. I, cause there, because there's places where it's clearly better not to. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's cool. So a couple comments here. One is I generally don't write the contrapositive in part because... I'm noting the rule, and then as an if-then statement, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is an if-then statement that could vanish if I go ahead and create worlds on the basis of it, but I'm going to write down the rule first and then uh, 
look at the rules and decide which rules I want to get rid of um, once they've been written down. But I understand, or I think I understand your argument, whereas in some games you're just like, I'm not even going to get to that point. I'm just going to write it down and skip that. And I definitely do that on occasion as well. So I think, yeah, that can happen. Uh, But interesting thing, I was... Have I told you about the number of possible total number of possible scenarios in a lot of these games? Have we talked about this before? Well, I've seen you do it in class where you ask, especially when we make worlds. Yeah. You then do it as like a fun, you know, extra credit, right, for the class to say, "Hey, how many different combinations are there?" Yeah, because so now that we're creating worlds so often, <laughs> once you have the worlds set up, it's usually pretty easy just to kind of play them all out and then see how many scenarios there are. And what surprises me is I would say most, I don't know for sure, but we could sit down and figure it out someday, but I would say most games have only between 4 and 18 total scenarios, which to me is surprising, I guess. I I don't feel like 18 scenarios is, 4 especially is very small, but... uh, 18 scenarios is just not that many, right? Because most times when people look at the rules and all the possibilities, they feel like there's so many different ways the variables could be arranged. But most games have just a very few set of scenarios that could work. Well, like that the um, mining company game yeah, that just exactly. came out. I mean, that one, when you start making worlds and you realize that there's like, what, Four. Is that the one four. that's four? Yeah, four, yeah, four yeah. total different outcomes in that game. That's and that's the game that everybody was crying about on <laughs> Reddit and other places and top law schools. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it was it was challenging for people because they didn't know what to do and they panicked. But what here's what you can do. <laughs> you can just start playing with the variables before you go into the questions. And this is what I say. Uh Every time, and I, you're, you're saying it as well, like at least stop and think about whether or not you should do worlds. Last night was my first class for the next for the July LSAT, uh-huh. and I was telling people, I said, <clears throat> We did a game together, and it was uh, game one in test seven. And I, I, we set up the rules, and I said, Hey, so, so should we do worlds here? And here's how I would test, and here's how I would decide. And we ultimately decided not to do worlds because there was, you'd have to do a lot, and they weren't that full, right? So it was like, geez, it's not worth the effort. But some people interpret that as, oh, are you saying that I should do worlds every time? And it's like, no, I'm not saying you should do worlds every time. But what you should do every time is decide whether or not you should do worlds. You should go through that calculation and try to figure it out. And uh, when you do, then you can unlock the game when it makes sense. And even when you decide not to, you've gotten your mind more wrapped around the rules and you're going to be better at the questions. So when you encounter a game like this weird one that everybody was struggling with, uh, if you had taken the time to play with the rules before going into the questions to decide whether or not to do worlds, you would have unlocked the game or at the very least got your mind more wrapped around the rules and realized that it was easier as you were going through the questions. Yeah, I mean, another way of thinking about that is you should be you should be deciding whether you're going to make worlds, but 
you should be aggressively looking for opportunities to make worlds. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's just, it's just so powerful. I mean, it just kills games and it, it's like, um, <laughs> these days in baseball, um, everybody, uh, th- there's a lot of crying of like my dad doesn't like the, the new style of baseball where, um, they hit a lot of home runs and uh, I didn't know this was happening. Yeah. Hitting more home runs these days uh, because they are like, it, it has a lot to do with, um, modern technology that they're like analyzing, um, ball speed and trajectory and exit velocities and stuff when, when on batted balls and oh really? So the, so the batters are getting like very precise instruction on yep. how to, what to spot. And so then they're getting to the point where they're able to knock things out of the park. Well, they're, they're actually, literally, ch- <laughs> yeah, they're, they're actually changing their swings like intentionally to try to hit more home runs. So it used to be like old school baseball is like avoid striking out, you know, hit the ball on the ground, um, you know, intentionally, like if you hit the ball on the ground, then, you know, you, you don't make a fly ball out and fly ball outs are terrible. Like we don't want to do that. So you want to try to hit, you know, make sure you have a level swing or, or, um, even like hit down on the ball to try to hit ground balls and then like run really fast. Well, the problem with that is that if you do that, then you just don't hit home runs. Yeah. And modern baseball, the way the Los Angeles Dodgers are these days is they just are almost all of them are just up there trying to hit the ball. Like they, if they're going to hit the ball, they want to hit it super fucking hard and they want to hit it in the air and they want to hit it out of the ballpark. And, um, so does that mean that you have more like extremes? So you have a lot more people who are like striking out, but you have more people are hitting home runs and on balance, their score is higher because even though you're striking out more, you have more home runs, which then guarantees those points. Yeah. And well, and, and the reason why my, the reason why my dad is like crying about it is that it, it is actually less exciting to watch because there's just less often are there like normal, like when someone hits the ball out of the park, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. that's an exciting moment, but like then the fielders don't do anything, you know, they're all just no, standing yeah. out there and the ball just goes sailing out and the dude just runs around the bases and it's like, Oh, there we go. Another home run, you know? And it, it leads As to, opposed to trying to steal or, yeah, bunt, you know, sacrifice stuff. bunt and like scratch out one run, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the old school thing is like, okay, you know, like just, oh boy, you know, somebody finally got a single, like they keep hitting it on the ground and oh wow, one made it through, you know, the gap between yeah. <laughs> shortstop and third base and the guy beat, you know, the guy, the guy just barely beat out his infield single or whatever. And then it's like, okay, well now we're going to sacrifice bunt, give the other team an out, move the guy over to second base. And then now we're yeah. just like really hoping for one single, you know, like we're going to score one run finally. <laughs> and yeah. it actually is more fun to watch. Like a low scoring baseball is actually more fun for a baseball fan normally. Sure. Sure. Um, but what the Dodgers and like modern teams are doing these days is they're just like, nah, fuck that. Like we're going to, we're going to try to take walks and get runners on base. And then when we hit it, we're going to hit it really, really fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> and our leadoff guy, we we want the guy who bats leadoff. It used to be like, oh, we'll never put a guy who hits home runs like batting leadoff. No, we want like a fast guy 
who can yeah. steal bases and stuff. And now the Dodgers are like, no, fuck that. We're going to put Jock Peterson batting leadoff. And he already this year, five or six times, he's just led off the game with a home run. And it's just like, well, one nothing. Yep. Because <laughs> yeah. I just hit it out of the park. Okay, so super long digression. But the point was, when you can make worlds on Logic Games, you, you're giving yourself the opportunity to hit home runs. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because that's what I was – I wasn't saying anything about baseball, but now that you're saying that, that's what I was trying to tell people last night. Because some people were like, hey, look, I did this game without Worlds, and I got them all right, and I finished it. And I'm saying, yeah, but how long did it take you? Well, it took me nine minutes. And I'm like, yeah, this game took me six, and it was easy. This is like six easy minutes. I'm not rushing anything. Um confident in all my answers i see why the right one's right i see why the wrong ones are wrong even when i don't need to check them and that's three extra minutes so well how would you like three extra minutes at the end of your test yeah that's huge and so if you get two home runs and you earn three minutes on one and four minutes on another that's seven minutes that's the difference between someone finishing the last game and not. Yeah. Which I, is the difference between a 174 and a 169. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I say this all the time. I just, I don't think I ever would finish. I, I don't even know how to do a timed section without doing worlds on some of the games. Like, I just, you, I don't, of course I could do it, but scratching out singles is not the way I want to play. You know, I just, I don't, I don't want to stressfully brute force my way through game one and then stressfully brute force my way through game two. You know, that student, the one who did the game in nine minutes, they probably answered the first question before you answered the first question. Yep. Oh, absolutely. But you answered the last question far before they answered the last question. Because you were patient, you know, and, and sat there for a minute and played with it in your head and, and then started, oh, well, oh, okay, you know, there's this set of solutions, that's one world, and then there's this set of solutions, that's the other world. Yeah. And every, every solution has to start with either this or this. Okay, let me play with, okay, well, if it's this, then this is what that looks like, and if it's this, then that's what that looks like. And next thing you know, you realize, oh, it has somewhere between four and 18 total solutions. <laughs> and it, then the questions are just like, yep, got that one, got that one, got that one, and that one, and that one. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like ease, right? There's this yeah. ease that comes with that, as well as the fact that when you get an answer right, and this is where the confidence comes from, you you know the two or three correct answers and you look at their list of answers and you're like, yep, well, they only gave me one of those and they purposely excluded these other two variables because they would be correct as well. It just shows a complete understanding yeah. of this test as a, or the question and the game as opposed to, oh, yeah, yeah, I could see how that could be true. Next, next question. Or let me just eliminate these other four because I'm not totally sure that that could be true. And I just want to make sure that the others can't be true, which is fine. That will get you the answer, but you end the section a little more exhausted, which is going to affect the next section that you take. Yeah. It's just, 
it's doing it. Um, it's, it's doing it passively instead of doing it actively. Yeah. It's doing the work up front, like hitting a home run. You, you do all the work right there when you bat and then you trot around the bases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, completely. And you don't have to hit a home run on every single game. You just have to look for an opportunity to hit a home run. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Is it? And so yep. that's where it's like, and, and that, I, this is what I do in class now. One of the main things I'm doing in class is I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this game intentionally in, in a different way than I was thinking about previously. Just Mm -hmm. like, let's see what happens if I make worlds based on some weird thing. I mean, there's games where I'm like, it's a sequencing game and there's one wild card Yeah, and it's like, Hey, how about if I do something really stupid and make worlds based on the wild card? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's see. There's six different places where the wild card can go. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be real dumb, you know. And, <laughs> I, and I start, I start penciling it out. Yeah. But then you realize that the wild card just—it it so happens that when you place the wild card into the six different spots, it doesn't directly impact anything because it's a wild card, but it now that was your player that had the most flexibility. And now that player has zero flexibility and all the other players have all these rules. And so they just, it starts triggering. And it's like, so what happens is you could, in some games, you could literally pick at random Mm -hmm. a variable to make worlds based on. Yeah. And so that's what I end up doing all the time now is like, okay, so go home and redo this game and make worlds based on this and then redo it again and make worlds based on this and then redo it again and make worlds based on this other weird thing. And it's, it's just, I'm amazed. And then I think students can learn one of the most valuable things, which is it, there isn't a right solution. It doesn't matter whether you pick the correct way of doing it. What matters is that you do something. Yeah. And even when there are better ways, like sometimes I've done worlds, uh, you know, the uh, product managers product, what is it? Product managers. Uh, the one where you have a product sales and management team. Okay. I, I don't um, think I remember that game, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's, Oh, it's job applications, I think. And, oh. um, and you have H and Y and they're together. And they can either go in the product team or the sales team. Okay. In any case, because H and Y are, are together, it's like such an obvious way to do worlds. You're like, well, H and Y are together. They can't go in the management team because there's only one person in the management team. And so they have to go in product or they have to go in sales. So then you put them in product and create one world. And then you do them in sales and you do another world. And so for years, that's how I did worlds for that game. It was just screamed worlds, right, in that way. And then we started talking about it, and we started talking about how you can create worlds off of if-then statements, which is what started this whole conversation. And I said, well, there's this if-then statement that says if X is in sales, then W has to be in production. I guess that's what it is, actually. Not products, but production. And I said, well, wait a sec. Let's, let's, let's try worlds on the basis of that. And the worlds on the basis of X are actually better in the sense that they're more complete and 
there's cleaner, you know, at the end of the day, you can, you get the same result, of course, whether you go down one path or another, because it's just logic. But um, the thing that's interesting to me is that if you create worlds on the basis of one rule in for a game, and then you create worlds on the basis of another rule, and it seems better or more efficient or easier to read or fewer worlds or whatever, uh, that's still a great learning opportunity. Like, oh, well, for some reason I was drawn to trying it this way. This other way it actually has a better end result. Um, now I can be like, now you're aware of those opportunities and you can dig even deeper and ask yourself, well, why, why do I think this might've led to a result that's a little bit better? And can I look for clues that I should have noticed, but didn't notice when I was mentally testing for worlds before I even started creating them? So I I agree with you that there are multiple ways of doing a game and there's no like correct way per se, but Sometimes there are better world setups, and that's just an opportunity to learn more. Like, why didn't I see that? What about it should have tipped me off, if anything? Maybe nothing, in which case this is just lucky in this one case or another. But when you can learn those things, then you become more sensitive to them again in another game. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm not saying there's not better and worse ways. I'm just saying oh, that yeah. you know, okay. in, in the 35 minutes you don't have time to find the perfect, you know. <laughs> yes, and it's still going to work out. <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that you have to just, you have to look for opportunities and just take it. Whatever it is mm-hmm. you see, you just have to take it. And your solution and my solution and the other person sitting next to you, they don't, they're not going to look the same. But yeah. we can all get there by a variety of different roads. And so stop. Because I think that's what that's what happens with LSAT books. Like even my book, you know, it has a solution. Yeah. But that's the point is not that that's the one best solution. In fact, I'm sure it's not the one best solution in many cases. It's just that's the solution that I saw that day. Like that time that I was doing that game that day I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, here's, here's how like this will work. Yeah. And that's what you need to be. That's, that's what students need to be going for is just like, cause you know, you get that thing where students are like, Oh, just as soon as, as soon as you, as soon as I saw the setup, like I just needed to, I just needed to see the setup. Yeah. The best setup, the the one. The only. setup. Yeah, like that they think that that's just like, oh, well, if I just saw the setup, then I'd be fine. It's like, no, you're not getting it. Like, the point is, there are many different setups. You have to do something that makes sense for you. But there's so many different ways to get there. You just have to, you just have to get there. You have to find a way. That's yeah. it. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And and I would just want to clarify for anyone listening that don't use that as an excuse to then be like, well, I came up with a way and it worked, therefore I've I don't need to do any more with this game. Like, if the game took you 15 minutes and you got one wrong, or even if you got none wrong, that are you doing it the most effective way possible? Like when you look at your work, did you have to 
test out three of the answer choices. We <laughs> that game that we did last night. Um, I did all the work on the board, and when we were done, we had only drawn the original set of rules and one mini diagram for question number three, which was an if question. It was the first if question, and all the other questions we answered by going back to that question number three. And it's like, well, look, this question number three's mini diagram uh, kind of touches on what's being talked about here, so let's use it to answer this question. And we ended, ended up doing it for all of them. So the whiteboard had a diagram and then one mini diagram, and that was it. And I'm like, this is all of my work for this game. So if your paper is all marked up, there's things to learn. So even if it worked and it's a way, there might be other ways that are better. Yeah. Okay, cool. So do games, try them different ways. Uh, If you did worlds, try to do it without worlds. If you did worlds or didn't do worlds, definitely try to see if you could do worlds or try to do worlds on the basis of different things, crazy things. Yada yada. Yeah, like if you couldn't, if you, if I if you were not allowed to do worlds the same way, like it's like okay, well, let me see you do it again, but you can't do it that way. Yeah. And what would you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just play with it. Just think about it. Yeah. And when you realize that there's so many different ways to get there, I think that's how people become calm and just really destroy the games on the test day. Because they're not freaking out about like, I have to see the setup for this game or else I'm, oh no, I, I don't, uh, f- I'm just going to try to answer the questions. Yep. And then they're freaking out, you know, and melting down. And instead they need to be like, oh, well, there's probably 10 different ways that I could solve this game. Who cares? I'll just do one of them. Like, okay, this looks like maybe a good way to do it. Let's, yep. tr- let's try this. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Yeah, that'll work. It'll all work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess we should get back to this. <laughs> yeah, this game, right? Okay. So we have these three recycling centers. Um, there's five kinds of materials glass, newsprint, plastic, tin, and wood. Uh, each center has at least two things that it recycles, and at most, three things that it recycles. The first rule that was listed says any recycling center that recycles wood also recycles newsprint which technically means if you recycle wood, then you have to recycle newsprint, uh, but not the other way around. And then the next rule says every kind of material that center two recycles is also recycled at center one. This is also a conditional rule. Basically, if you're recycled at two, then you have to be at one, but that doesn't mean that if you are at one, you necessarily have to be at two. Um, Only one of the recycling centers recycles plastic. Okay, so... Plastic is only going to go to one of the centers. And that recycling center does not recycle glass. So glass and plastic cannot be together, um, which means we're going to put P in one of these centers, and then we're going to have to put glass somewhere, but not in that center. So in one of the, at least one of the other two centers. All righty. Um, so those are all the rules. This sounds like a typical grouping game to me. I have three places and I got to figure out where these variables are going to go into these groups. So I would set it up by having one, two, three listed horizontally. And then below each of those numbers, I'd have 
two slots to symbolize to myself that I have to have at least two things in each group. Yep. Okay. Um, given the fact that they do have a maximum, uh, sometimes for this game I've put a dotted line below those two slots to symbolize to me that I could have one more, but no more than one more in each of those groups. Yeah. Um, I sometimes would put a third space and then a third slot mm-hmm. and then um, put parentheses around it. Okay. To show you as, that as like a different. maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. So let's talk about that first rule. What, this is the one we were kind of debating, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to write down if W arrow W arrow N to say that if you have wood, then you have to have N um, or newsprint. And you're saying, well, wait, maybe I wouldn't even draw that rule at all. Would you split this game on the basis of that rule? No. Into worlds? Okay. I would, wouldn't. Would although you certainly could. I mean, you certainly in fact, could. How would that How would that play out? <laughs> well, I think what I would do is I would make. Um, I would, I think I would look at center two okay, and I would make a world where center two has wood and a world where center two does not. Okay. Okay. Sure. Cause that's a fair split, right? Every solution. Yep. It, it's fair to say that center two does or does not have wood. Yep. You could do it on the and, basis of that. Okay. And so now I'm, I'm not sure that's like the perfect solution, but this is certainly a way you could do it. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, for the listeners, this is exactly what we're talking about. You should get a piece of scratch paper and try this. Just try it. See what happens. Because I'm thinking yep. if, I, if I put when I, in the world where center two does have wood, then it also has to have newsprint. Yep. And then center one has to have both wood and newsprint. Yep. So that's kind of like a lot. Yeah. My guess is that then center three can't have wood because you can't, surely you can't have wood and newsprint three times, right? Isn't that going to just use up too many spots? Well, it seems like it would. If you had wood and newsprint in all three, then you'd have three slots left. One would have to be for, well, well, one one of them would be shared between one and two. (laughs) So you really only have two slots left. And so there it's clear you can't do it because you, you, you still haven't used plastic, you haven't used glass, and you haven't used tin. And you do have three slots. Yeah. But, but when you put a third thing in center two, that third thing has to also be in center one. And so you're going to run out of spots there. So mm-hmm. that, world where, that world where center two does have wood, yeah. just it's not like it gets totally completed, but you do know that center three doesn't get wood. Yeah, that's right. And, and one and two are almost full. Yeah. Now in the other world where center two doesn't have wood, I guess not that much happens, but, but it would be very tempting then to split again. Right. Like, so I'm thinking about it in that world. I mean, somebody has to have wood. Someone has to have wood. And where could that wood go? Oh yeah. I mean, it could go one or three or both. Yeah. Although I'm wondering if both seems like both wouldn't work. Maybe I'm trying to think because if you had wood and newsprint in center one Mm -hmm. and wood and newsprint in center three, I'm thinking what does center two have? Like it would have to have newsprint. 
Yeah. In order to have two shared things with center one. Yep. And then, then it now, okay, so it, it has newsprint for sure. So now you've got newsprint in all three centers. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're using up an awful lot of spaces. Like <laughs> you still haven't used plastic or glass or tin. Yeah. So I don't think that uh, seems far fetched. So maybe that works, but I, I'm thinking about how that would be, how that would be possible. I think you're going to run out of spots. So my guess is, um, yeah, yeah, maybe so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure. Like that's, but that's a really good exercise. I think for, for people at home, if you're, you know, if you have the time to pl- yeah. press pause on the podcast and just work your way through it and see what happens. Um, okay. But I don't even, that's not actually what I would do with this game. Okay. So maybe we do write it as if you have W, then you have N or what would you, okay. okay. Yeah, that's fine. Now sure. I'm going to do a small thing here. I'm going to have it be a vertical rule. I'm going to have W and then I'm going to have the arrow go down from W point down to N. So in my head, it's kind of visually representing what's happening in the game. Like if you have W in a column or a group, then N is going to be in that same column. In the same group, group. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the next one says every kind of material that center two recycles is also recycled at center one. So I'm just going to actually draw an arrow that goes from two to one. <laughs> just so I remember that anything I put in two, I got to go put over into one. Yeah, like a like an arc arrow kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. And then... Uh, only one of the recycle centers recycles plastic. To me, that is pretty significant because we know that plastic can now not go into. Yep. And I think that that at that point, when you make that realization, I, I just can't imagine not making two worlds based on plastic. Yeah. I mean, there's only two options. It's also tied into this other rule with glass. So now you know that glass can't go there. And just to clarify, I know that sometimes people get confused about this, but if plastic can only go once and anything that goes in two has to go in one, uh, then it can't go in two because then plastic would have to go in one as well, right? So then you'd have two plastics that violates the rule. So plastic can never go in two, which means it has to go in one or three. And when it goes in one, we know it's going to be the one that doesn't go in two, right? Yeah, it has to be the third thing, basically. Yeah, it has to be the third thing in one because the two other things are going to be repeated from two. Yeah, and so it's like so much happens because you know that it can't be in two because plastic can only go once. Yeah. But the third, if you put the third thing in center one and that third thing can't be in center two, then that actually means that center two can only have two things for sure. Yeah. In that world, center two gets maxed out. Like there's only two things. There's not a third thing in center two if center one has plastic. Not only that, but. You now know that glass has to be in three. Yeah, because center one, if it has plastic, can't have glass. If center one can't have glass, then that means center two can't have glass because anything in center two has to go in center one. Mm -hmm. And so glass now has to go somewhere. So then glass has to go in center three. Uh, And then actually more happens. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what else happens? Well, if you have wood, you have to have newsprint. Yep. And 
so I'm looking at center one, which has has plastic, which means it can't have glass. Mm-hmm. But it has to have two more things out of wood, newsprint, and tin. Yep. Two out of the three of wood, newsprint, and tin. But if you have wood, you have to have newsprint. Yep. And so, so mm-hmm. yeah, the only way to have two out of the three of wood, newsprint, and tin, if wood requires newsprint, is that you have to have newsprint. Yep. And when you put it in center one, then it actually now has to also go in center two because center two has to have two things and each of those two things have to be in center one. Yeah, just step back there. Um, So what we're doing is we're looking at center one. Center one has at max three things that can go in it. One of them is already taken, it's plastic. So you have two left and it glass can't go there because it can't go with plastic. So now we have two slots left and they can only be filled by W, T, or N. And if you have W, you have to have N. Here's one way to think about it. Um, If you have tried to avoid N, if you just had W and T in those last two slots, W would require N. So there's no way to avoid N when you only have three variables left and one of them requires another one of those variables. So I'm not trying to make that too confusing or abstract, but the point is, is if you try to avoid N, you're going to run into a problem because those two slots would be filled with W and T, which doesn't work because W needs N. So at least one of the slots will have to be the, have to be N. The other one could be W or it could be T because although W needs N, N doesn't necessarily need W. I'm tempted to to split that world actually. Uh on the basis of W and T? Yeah. Because yeah, I mean those are the only two options, right? It's either gonna be N with W or it's gonna be N with T in group one. I'm actually just gonna do it really quick here because I feel like yeah, I mean it's it's either T in both one and two. Uh-huh. Or it's W in both one and two. Sure. Yep. And then in the world where, I mean, I know that there's no third thing in um, center two in that mm-hmm. world. And I still, uh, in the world where I put tin in both spots, I haven't used wood yet. And so wood has to go in center three, which means newsprint has to go in center three. Mm. And in, in that world, I'm done now. Yep. And the other world where I put wood in center one and two, I haven't used tin yet. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. tin has to go in center three. Now that means there's no room for wood in center three because it would be wood and newsprint. You can't have four things Mm -hmm. because glass was already there. But you could have N. You just don't have to. I could have N and that's it. So maybe I'll put N in parentheses. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. It's like there, <laughs> like that's your one option. Just don't forget about it. So, <laughs> so the crazy thing is if you put plastic in center one, mm-hmm. there's three total solutions. Yep. Three. Yep. Okay. And in the world where plastic went in center three, 
we now know that glass has to go somewhere. It can't go in a three, so it's got to go in one or two. If it goes in two, then obviously it's going to go in one. But if it goes in one, could we avoid it going into two? I think so, if it was the third thing. Yeah, if it was the third thing. So, I mean, one thing that is true about both of those worlds, you know, like, I guess what I'm thinking to myself is either G is going to go in one or it's going to go in two because it can't go in three. If it goes in two, then it goes in one. If it goes in one, it goes in one. So either way, G has to go in one. Um, I mean, we could split here. We could create a world where G is in both, or and then a world where G is just in one. Yeah, that would be one way to split it, for sure. I mean, the only reason I'm kind of leaning towards that is that split would actually... Well, at least for one of the worlds, it would determine exactly how many are in, in group in group one and in group two. Because if G is the lone wolf in group one, then there can't be three things in group two. Yeah, okay. And and then again, it's like, well, when in doubt, just do something. Yeah. So Sure. As long as I don't make any mistakes. I don't think I've ever done it this way before. I think I've always just assumed, oh, well, if G is in two, then it's in one. And if it's in one, then it's in one. So G is in one. And just left it at that. But, I mean, I don't think this is... This definitely won't hurt. You can always just stop. As right. long as everything that you've written down must be true. And then go into the questions. And if a question happens to tap into a semi-empty world, at least you know you're in that world. And you just keep moving forward from there. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we made this this split because I'm looking at the world now where um, glass is not in center two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's in one but not two, then center two can only have two things, but it already doesn't have plastic. Now it doesn't have glass. So we get into yeah. that same situation of wood, newsprint, tin. Yep. I have to pick at least two. That means I have to have, or exactly two in this world. That means I have to have newsprint. Mm-hmm. And once I have newsprint in two, then that means I have to have newsprint in one. Yep. Thinking about, well, and then shit, you could split that, but the do the wood tin thing again. The exact same thing, yeah. Well, because the number of people in each group is constrained, if you do T in groups one and two, then you know W has to be in three, which again means N has to be there as well. Yep. And just like before, if you put W in one and two, then you know T has to go in three, which means N could be in three or maybe not. So yeah, not and not wood. Wood can't be and there. So wood. it's again, it's N with the parentheses around it. Yep. And again, it, on that side, there's three solutions. Yeah. On the other side, where center one and two both when where center two has glass. Yeah. So either we have W and then we also have N in in group two, or we just have T or we just have N. So there actually are a decent number of options here. I'm I'm like, but I'm real tempted to just split it based on like wood now. 
Yeah. You know, that, wood's got to go somewhere. That original idea of like wood in center two or not. Yeah. Cause it can't go if, it, well, wood could, one way to look at this right now is W wood can go in center one, center two, or center three. If it goes in two, then it's obviously going to go in one. And if it goes in one, it's ultimately going to have to, well, no, it doesn't have to go in two, does it? Because you could have W and N in one, and then you could just have N by itself in two. But if it, if, if wood doesn't go in, so when wood goes in two, then it like almost gets completely filled out. Yeah, so you're thinking of creating a world where W does go in two in a world where W doesn't go in two. Just yeah, because if it doesn't go in two... I guess it could go in one. The newsprint would have to go in two. Yeah. I mean, again, you could, I mean, you could do the world where W is in two and that would fill out quite a bit. In fact, that would determine almost everything except for group three wouldn't be totally determined. Because you just you don't know if you have newsprint or not. <laughs> you just don't know if you again. have newsprint. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Same things are being tested, which is actually why <clears throat> when you do these worlds, they, they can go faster and faster because it's like you're seeing the same inferences being made in, in other worlds. And so you just fill them out quickly. Um, and then in the world where W is not in two, then we have two options left. We have T or N. It's actually pretty easy to just do that final split. I mean, we've we've split it so many times now, but <laughs> it's like it's like the last hurrah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, if you it, this is where like execution would come into play. Like, are you determined to just keep going? Because it actually won't take that long if you just keep going. It's because we're talking about it and hesitating on whether we should go or not. Yeah, that's going to drag this out, but. You, I, I probably would have decided to stop after our th- third world or fourth world. I would have just said, oh, I'll just leave that empty and then fill it in as necessary. But now, it, now that we're going down this path, we're going to have all the answers. We're going to have all the possible scenarios. In fact, we'll know how many different ways this game can go down. And let's see if it's between 4 and 18, see if I'm crazy. So what are you splitting for the... Uh, this is the last world where W is not in two. Right. So when W is not in two, and, and this is where where glass is in two. Yeah. Glass is in one and two, and W is not there. Well, you, you have to have 10 or newsprint. Yep. So either do one world where 10 is in two or N is in two, which is going to fill up one, or at least start to fill it up. I guess there's still flexibility there because you could have both. You could have both. Well, you know, for at least the world where you have 10 and 2 and 10 and 1, W has to go in 3. That's true. Because it can't go in 1 or 2, which means means N has to go there. Yep. And then we have N in parentheses uh, for 1 and 2, really. (laughs) Yep. Okay, so that world is still a little bit flexible. Um, Okay, so GN, GN is in 1 and 2, P is in 3. Uh yeah, you could add W or T. Uh, that's a decent number of possibilities. <laughs> you could split that one again, but the, there. The, so it does turn out to be. I think there's probably more than eighteen here. Yeah. Um, but it's it's sort of like what ends up happening in all of them. It's just 
over and over and over and over is newsprint, yes or no. Right? It's just yeah, like yeah. that extra newsprint can be, especially a lot of our worlds, it's just like center three could have newsprint or not. And what we're doing now in the worlds where glass are in one and two, we're going to get a lot of maybe newsprint happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's actually not that bad. I mean, I added up all the number of scenarios we have so far, excluding this last world. And we Mm -hmm. have, we're only at 11. So there's only 11 possibilities so far now with this last world, you know, I'm not sure how many would go there, but it's pretty close to 18, I imagine, total. Yeah, I think you're right. Should we uh, yeah, let's do the knock questions. out the questions? Yeah. yeah, yeah. so we have one world that's still a little flexible. But um, So question 18, which of the following could be an accurate account of all the kinds of material recycled at each recycling center in Riverton? And by the way, sorry, before we go into these questions, last point here is if you play this all out and you realize, eh, maybe this wasn't worth the effort because we're going to have to create all these scenarios and so forth. That itself is going to add to your experience and intuition about when you should abandon your worlds and when you should keep going with them. When are they going to almost close out and when are they going to keep going? So in any case, it's, yeah, it's, and it's good practice. We would have stopped at some point, right? Like oh, we, for sure. We, but we would have made the first cut and maybe one more cut And then we would have said, okay, well, there's these pretty constrained solutions. And then there's this way over here where we have more, more solutions, but then just dive into the questions and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, 18, 18. So this is just a process of elimination, which means I'm generally going to go back to the original rules as opposed to worry so much about the worlds, unless I've made some key inference in the worlds like F always has to be third and that right. wasn't obvious in the rules. So uh, the rule I'm going to look for first is GP maybe, can't go together. But so, maybe do, mm. I would think I would do both at once. I would look for exactly one plastic and glass can't be there. Sure, that's fine. Okay. Um, so A is fine, B is fine. Uh, C is fine. D, glass and plastic are together, so that's out. Okay. And for E, um, we have plastic twice, so D yep. and E are gone. Then we have if you have if you have wood, then you also have to have newsprint. That's an easy one to look for. So I just I'm scanning for wood. Yep. And I see that in A, and I see it in all three centers, but there's not newsprint in center three, so that's a problem. So A is out. Yep. B, I'm scanning for wood again, and it looks like we're fine. And in C, scanning for wood, and we're fine. It has newsprint. So uh, last rule, if it's in two, then it's got to be in one. Uh, Let's just take a look at B and C. That's all we have to look at. In B, we have GNT, and in in center two, and in center one, we have GNT, so that's fine. So let's look at C. Uh, We have GNT, and then in center one, we have GNW. So that's a problem. So C is out. The answer is B. Yeah, we've tested all the rules. We've eliminated A, C, D, and E, so 100% certain that the answer is B. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and skip to the if questions because one of our worlds is not very complete. Yep. If center two recycles the th- three kinds of material, which one of the following kinds of material must center three recycle? So if two does three, we know we're only in a couple of these worlds, actually. I can see already that if we have three, then we have to have N. 
in center two. In center two, point. yeah, but it's asking about center three. Okay. Uh, and then which of the following kinds of materials must center three recycle? Well, in both of those worlds, center three had P, right? So, yeah, and that was like our first split, right? Like mm-hmm. number 20, we could have answered with that very first split. Yep. We realized that when in the world where center one has plastic, that means center two can only have two things. Yeah. And so if center two is going to have three things, then we have to be in the world where center one does not have plastic, which means center three has plastic. And that's the answer. Yeah. 21. If each recycling center recycles exactly three kinds of material, which I find could be true. Well, if all three do three, then again, I'm looking at these two worlds where uh, GG goes twice in one and two. Um, which one could be true? Could only center two recycle glass? No. Uh, in both of those cases, center yep. two and center uh, one recycle glass. Uh, yep. Only center three recycles newsprint. Um, oh, actually, oh, wait, no. If if each center has exactly three, then we have to have newsprint in more than one. So that's out. C, only one recycles plastic. Uh, no, that's not a possibility. Um, only center three recycles tin. Oh yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, I've actually. got it on we the could page. Have, yeah. yeah, right here. Okay, so that's the answer. Yep. Um, 22, if center three recycles glass, all right, so we're back into our first world, our first split, uh, which one of the following kinds of materials must center two recycle? Well, let's see. Oh, in both of our worlds where G is in uh, three, we know that... N has to be in two. Yeah. And so, that's that's a likely answer just because N is the necessary condition for W. Yep. Um, w for 22 is a terrible answer <laughs> because it's the sufficient condition on the rule. Yeah. I mean, if wood were the answer, then newsprint would also have to be the answer. So yep. it can't be wood, obviously. But newsprint, uh, because it's the necessary condition, that's just going to get forced into the N group a lot. And that's what happens here. Yeah. If center one is the only recycling center that recycles wood, okay, if one is the only one that does wood, ooh, so that means wood is the the lone wolf in the center one. floater, yeah. Yeah, and not in, in center two. So the only place that we see that as a possibility, oh, is actually in our world where we didn't finish it. Yep. Where we have glass in one and two, plastic in three, newsprint in one and two, and and you'd have to put wood as the third thing in center one. Okay. Which of the following could be a complete and accurate list of the kinds of material that one of the recycling centers recycles? Okay. Plastic and tin. Yeah. That looks pretty good. Yeah. For center three. Center three. Now, if you're not confident because this world wasn't completed... You could quickly go through the rest. Newsprint and wood, no, because all of them have to have G or P. Uh, Newsprint and tin, uh, again, GP. Glass wood. That's Um, dumb, because if you have wood, you have to have newsprint. newsprint. Yep, and then glass tin, uh, same problem. Uh, We have to have either P along with it, or we have to have N. The answer is A. 
Okay, now I skipped 19 because that was a non-if question. Yep. Which one of the following is a complete and accurate list of the recycling centers in Riverton, any one of which could recycle plastic? Oh, uh, well, we decided that one yeah. and three could. So yeah, one and three, an answer. Yeah. Yeah, D. All right, bottom line there is I probably would not play out the world as far as we did, but... Um, it's still interesting to see that well, the total number of possibilities here isn't actually that high. And it, it took us a lot longer to talk about playing out those worlds than it would have if we were actually just doing it. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my page and I have kind of a lot, it's kind of messy because of like I, the, the way I split it, I just didn't keep it very organized, but answering those questions became trivial yeah, and if I hadn't done all those worlds, I would have had to do some more work for for a lot of those questions. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, like for think about like twenty one. If each of them recycles three kinds of material, I don't know. I think I think that that would have been a lot harder. If we had, I mean, because with the with it all with all the worlds like all played out, it's just like oh, bang, like okay, I can see there's like two templates where that's going to work, and it just like we have the answer, yeah. So even if it had taken, you know, six minutes to do all those scenarios, mm-hmm. it, it then would have taken sixty seconds to answer all the questions. Yeah, I don't know that it would have taken six minutes. My guess is like more like four. I'm saying even if it did, yeah. that's, that's my point is that like, actually I think this might be the, it might turn out to be the best way to do the game, even yeah. though it seems like, Oh my God, like, do I really want to keep splitting and splitting and splitting? It's like, well, but you know, you're just going to play out all of the possibilities. And then when you, when, when you get to the questions, it's just going to be like, bang, bang, bang. I'm, I'm talking about literally 60 seconds to answer all the questions. Yeah. So, you know, when that happens, it's like definitely it turns out to be a home run. Yeah. And even if it's not a home run, even if we stopped somewhere earlier, it would still be fine because it would be like we we were making progress. We were learning things about the way the game works. Yeah. All right. That was a Um, long logic game. Yeah. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) You made it to the end of this. Yeah. Congrats. (laughs) Congrats. <laughs> we should have like a bonus <laughs> reward for people who made it to the yeah, end. Yeah, a discount or something. No, you found it. <laughs> um, cool. Well, we should probably wrap it up there. Did you yeah. have anything else that you wanted to add? No, we can uh, we can just get to the, the the pearls versus turds next time, and we can we can do the uh, we'll start uh, cranking away on the uh, newly released. What is it? Prep test seventy one. 71, yeah. We'll do that next time. Oh, wait. Next time we're also going to return to game three from June 2007 hmm. because we gave people homework, remember, to to play around with that game yeah, and, yeah. and make worlds and stuff. So we'll get back to that next time. Probably won't take us nearly as long since we already did half the game. Yeah. If you haven't joined the uh, Facebook group uh, on Facebook, feel free to do so. It's the Thinking LSAT podcast group. Uh, we have oh, 1,300 some odd members there. You can follow us on Instagram at thinking LSAT. 
You can follow us on Twitter at ThinkingLSAT or Nathan at NFox or me at Olson Benjamin. If you want to take one of my classes in D.C., go to strategyprep.com. Uh, Nathan's classes in LA and San Francisco. You can learn more about those at foxlsat.com, including online and one-on-one options. Our joint project is lsatdemon.com. And that's that. So that was show number 193. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.